I'm your host, Mike, and joining me for the first time in 2022. Hey, guys, Brian. Yeah, Brian, good to have you on. Finally get you on for 2022. And uh, we'll definitely, I want you to come on a little bit more. I know the next few months are going to be a little iffy with uh, with everything going on in your life. But I figured that this episode would be kind of fun interlude to get you back on because uh, it was something that I feel like we're both pretty well versed in that we didn't need to do a whole lot of research on. Something that I'm pretty passionate about um it's uh, it's a little bit different it's not a movie we are in fact going to be talking about a podcast and a very specific portion of a podcast but um yeah this week we're going to be talking about the adventure zone specifically the balance campaign which took place from around 2014 to 2017 so um the adventure zone what is it essentially it is three brothers and their dad play D D, and we are focusing on their first adventure that, like I said, spanned over three years, but they've been doing a whole lot of stuff pretty much in between from that point to now. Um, so after the balance campaign, they were kind of jumping back and forth between different games, different DMs uh, within their own uh, group. And now they're actually on another, I think their next long, longer campaign series um, called Ethersea, which is... Um, takes place completely in an under underwater world that they themselves created. Uh, I've been listening to it. It's pretty interesting, but I don't think anything, at least in my mind, is going to top the balance campaign. But before we get into that and why we're talking about it, Brian, I want to throw it over to you. You're the one that actually got me into the Adventure Zone and specifically balance. And uh, I was just curious of how you found it, what your relationship with the Adventure Zone is, and specifically like the balance campaign. Yeah, I think, I can't remember, I think Andrew, our friend Andrew, who I'm sure he's been mentioned on here, if not, I don't think he's been a guest yet, which he should be. Not yet, no, we've been talking about getting him on. Uh, he's the one who, I think, I think he introduced it to me for some reason. I can't remember the exact conversation, but he just said, hey, here's this thing that I've been listening to. I think they just ended the first campaign uh, when I started listening to it. He's like, it just ended. This is this beautiful thing. Like, just listen to it. It's just three guys, three guys and their dad playing D&D. And he's like, that's it. I'm not going to tell you anything else about it. And I think I, we had just graduated college or something, and I just started listening to it. Um, and I remember immediately finding it funny and endearing. But all, And that's the initial kind of first couple arcs, but it gets really in depth and they not not that, not that they build up lore but it was I, I appreciated the the sincerity and the actual the comedy which was like a nice they, they they do strike a good balance in that entire balance uh uh arc and storyline i so again i appreciate the sincerity the comedy to to take it take the lighthearted nature of it but also, it, it really was a genuinely entertaining story. And I remember, I, I think I listened to it over the span of maybe like two and a half years, just intermittently. But there was like, after a certain point, you just got so invested, I just kind of rinsed right through the rest of it. And I think I, I think I, did I just finish it and I told you to? Maybe, because I, I started listening to it in 2019. 
And it's yeah, funny that, how that makes you, sense. Well, it's funny how you mentioned like you intermittently listened over two and a half years. For me, it was like six months. It's I listened to like the first uh let's say like 20 episodes i'm trying to so like so we're talking about the campaign which is the larger story and then we're going to be mentioning arcs which are just like chapters in the story and i think i started i was like intermittently listening for like six months over the first three arcs the first three chapters uh so that so the arcs of the whole like there it's here there be goblins murder on rockport express uh pedals to the metal and then there's uh, the Crystal Kingdom, followed by the Eleventh Hour, followed by the Stolen Century, followed by a story and song. So uh, I started. So I was like kind of intermittently listening until like Petals of the Metal, and then Petals of the Metal, not my favorite arc. Um, and I kind of like stopped listening, and I was like, oh, let me get back into it. So I kind of rinsed through the first three chapters again, and then it was specifically at the Crystal Kingdom that I, you know, got back into it and I just rinsed through the story because like Brian said, the beginning is very endearing and fun and it's it's a little bit more on like the comedy side because this is the first time that many, that the group has played together, that many of them have either like, a, so the, the family, we have Griffin, the, the baby brother, um, Travis, the middle brother, Justin, the eldest brother, and then Clint mcelroy all the mcelroy brothers and father so they're all like huge nerds they actually have their own podcast my brother my brother and me which i i've tried listening to and i can't really get into that as much as i can here i just think the style and the format's a little bit different for me um but so the beginning is them kind of just getting to understand the rules of DD. griffin as a, a dm he has such high ambitions, but he's still figuring it out. But then it's right at the Crystal Kingdom when Griffin, as the DM, starts pulling the story threads tighter and tighter, starts making callbacks, starts setting up things for the end. And uh, and then and then as well as the players, they're also sort of getting a better understanding of the rules and how to play. And I think it just starts becoming more cohesive at that moment. And they also start buying into the narrative. So, Brian, yeah, as you were sorry to interrupt, just uh, you were saying when you introduced it to me um yeah and so you actually have been reading the graphic novels as well that they've been producing of this specific art of this specific campaign yeah it's actually interesting the it's 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 like a slightly it's it's the it's the tighter version of the of the actual of the whole storyline itself i find it really cool because when you listen to the po- i i feel like the podcast and the graphic novels are uh sort of like different variations of the same story like they you could tell with the podcast that they were more or less figuring it out as they go along and then when griffin like really finds his his footing and he that's when it goes from like eh, this is entertaining to like this is a like this is a genuinely awesome story those first couple arcs because i think griffin took them from a book from a dnd like campaign book uh it, it, it's it's not like derivative not at all but it's it you could tell it's like not as it's not original because it's not it's, it's taken from another source well it's tweaked around it, right it the first campaign they start using a book and i say that because i've actually played uh so i have my own D. so brian and i we've played D on this channel um 
the Star Wars, hopefully we can get back to that, but it's a little bit more difficult with two people. But I have been playing like traditional D&D with a friend group outside of this. I'm actually writing a campaign, a homebrewed campaign for Brian and our friends that I'll be I'll be play testing with another group that I hope hopefully we can make something into the show. But um, I've actually played the first uh, like book story that they used in their first arc. But it's so funny because as I was playing it, I like kind of knew what was going on and like I um and I was also like as I was playing I was like leading questions to the DM because he didn't know that I knew the story and I was like trying to like deduce like oh like is this powerful like the phoenix fire gauntlet that they've been this like ultimate power device that was like the first arc is this in here and it's not so it's funny that just how much Griffin used that and he also has said like I got away from that like right away he knew like midway through recording that that he wanted to do his own stuff so I think the first arc he wrote his own stuff or he used the book and then after that everything was original yeah and okay then so I guess going off with that what was my train of thought before that um you were saying how um the first like how griffin was finding his foothold and, and understanding how to dm oh oh i understand yeah where, with compared to the the uh the, the comic books yeah where i i i mean and you did a little more research into this so correct me if i'm wrong but i it's my understanding that like griffin was sort of more or less finding out how it was ending by the time he was like halfway through like he was still figuring it out but you know towards those final like mini mini so like mini arcs that's when he knew what the ending was but so so it's not it's like more or less inconsistent in the podcast initially if you go back and like realistic like, oh like this is a different like um what's that where you retcon it so they do that in the in the graphic novel so it's just more fluid um like for instance i think uh i don't want to do spoilers but they like they reference um like the big bad guys at the ending of uh of the first um graphic novel of like volume one there's like an epilogue scene where it's it's the teaser it's 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 a much more consistent uh thread that you're following along and at the end of each episode or volume they're 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 teasing the ultimate like conclusion which i know is going to happen because i know what happens and i'm like oh they're they're doing different variations or they just cut for time um different aspects of a story that they just outright just don't put in or they change it around a little bit to make it more because uh, since you're having an actual image represent what's being said and also it's it's kind of like a weird setup too because like it's very it breaks the fourth wall a lot and it's very like meta in that it's aware of itself um but for that it, it it's cool because you 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 it's the same story more or less but you get two different experiences just through the medium alone which is really cool yeah and i feel like anyone just coming into this episode they might be a little off put cuz we're cuz i don't want to go into spoilers either i feel like i t- i recommend the adventure zone often especially like anyone playing D&D, specifically the balance campaign so i don't really want to go into spoilers cuz like I still get goosebumps listening to like the final like two arcs of yeah. this when like the yeah. story just like comes together. And that's really ultimately why I want to talk about this because 
Griffin is such a masterful storyteller. And it's also, you know, his story is nothing without his act, without the actors that are his brothers and his dad. And that them, them buying into the narrative and the fiction of what they're doing. And they all add like such integral, interesting pieces to the, uh, to the story, whether it's like subconsciously or it's like a, a, a conscious choice that they have for their characters. So um, I kind of want to use this point to just kind of describe like the characters and just a brief synopsis of each of the, um, the arcs, just so anyone that is listening and has made it this far, hopefully this might tickle your fancy, be like, oh, that sounds really interesting. Let's give it a shot. So the Adventure Zone, I'm pretty sure it's like 70, 72 episodes. Uh, at least for the Bounds campaign. And uh, so our characters, we have, uh, you know, Griffin's our DM, our, our storyteller, our dungeon master. Every, he is the puppet master of everything, followed by, let's go from, I guess, just a rant, just an arbitrary order. We have Magnus Burnsides, who's played by the middle brother, Travis McElroy. He is like the fighter, the brute, the uh, charismatic, um, you know, the the guy that always wants to do good. Uh, there's his tagline of the show is Magnus rushes in because and it's and it's so oh man, it's so interesting. Like even as I just talk about it, you know, the whole idea of Magnus rushes in that this they they coined that because Magnus would just rush into any situation and just fight. And they actually use that as a plot thread in character development uh throughout the show of just like well magnus rushes in why does he rush in as opposed to just going with this surface level like fighter there's actually some really good nuance to why he rushes in and and why he's the way he is um then we have a uh, moral high church which is played by uh cliff mcelroy who is the dwarf uh cleric like the healer uh of the group and i'd say he's I don't want to say he's like, the, he. he's not, I, I mean, they're all like funny in their own way. So I don't want to say he's like the comic relief. I'd say Merle is probably the least serious of all of the characters, but he does have like a serious backstory and his, um, in his motivations behind like why he acts. But Clint, I think is, is more of the more purposeful, like, comedic relief if that makes sense like he's trying to be funny and I think I mean I think his humor is it's hit or miss but I actually really enjoy just it's very much like dad humor um yeah so it, it works really well if you look at it from that perspective um so uh yeah and Merle ha gets into his own shenanigans and his own like perspectives and then finally we have Taco which I, does, I don't even remember his last name I only just know Taco uh I don't remember. Yeah, because and honestly, it's it's that's not really important because Taco, his introduction, and this is played by the eldest brother Justin McElroy, who is who's clearly like the who takes D and D the most serious, and really gets into like the role playing aspect of uh, D and D because he is really able to like separate himself from his characters and and Trav or Justin always chooses characters that challenge himself as a creative person and as a person so taco is the wizard of the group uh kind of the fashionable fast talking sarcastic sardonic wizard and who i guess is pretty is self is selfish but has like he's like the thief with a heart of gold i would say and 
and he is i think one of my favorite characters just because of just his personality and what he does and he i think most of the comedy derives from justin playing taco and just how he sarcastically looks at so many of the situations um so those are the characters i like i said i'd say my favorite character is, is taco because we start off and as they're doing their um their character introduction let's just say so they get to justice like oh who's your character he says it's uh you know, my character's name is T-A-K-K-O. And he says, Taco? He's like, Taco. He's like, did you name your character fucking Taco? And the first, like, the arc gets, the, the whole idea is that, like, they do it for fun as they're finding their way is Taco is trying, he's, he's trying to find the ingredients to make a taco. And then they drop that and then they bring it back in a very unique oh, yeah. way. So, and that's just what I mean, like how they start, like how they drop something and, and Griffin writes such a specific but open narrative that he's able to take something that was dropped like in the beginning of the show and bring it back for the end and make it meaningful. And as, as stupid as it is, as trying to make a taco. Um, so Brian, those are the characters. What speaks to you about these characters, specifically in the balance campaign? Because I feel like they never, and I don't want to say this as a criticism as much, but I feel like they never captured the essence of these characters again. And I think it's because they put so much of themselves into these characters for their first campaign. I, I and, and this is and this is coming from listening to like half of graduation, listening to most of most of Ether C, maybe a little bit of amnesty and stuff like that. But like having listened to, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like I've listened to more of their of the Adventure Zone than you. So yeah, you have. Um, I think in terms of the characters, I like to boil it down to one singular story moment, and I'm not going to say what it is, but there's a moment where um it, it involves taco it's towards the end of the climax and there's like so it's like a big revelation and i think i told you about this um like where um justin playing taco there was some sort of interaction and um griffin was as the narrator was like telling him what's going on and then justin in the moment like said a word and and then it was like really quiet and you could literally hear every single guy be like, like kind of catch their breath. Like you could hear that in the audio because it was such like the perfect line to say, cause it was so like poignant and like beautiful in that moment. And I think, and you can hear that. And that genuine reaction of a, of like a really well, do you know what I'm talking about, Mike? What, no, what do you, what word did you say? I'm going to edit this out. What did he say? I, I, I can't remember, but I think it was with his, <laughs> no, I think it was with his, um, and oh no no when they're and they're like oh and, this... yeah he's like oh yeah and dude that always gives me fucking and, and you can hear that like whole Clint, editing you, you can hear Clint be like <gasps> and and you're like what like fuck that's beautiful. so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep this part in but just ble like bleep out what you just said but um yeah and, and uh, yeah like I feel like this is like the beauty of the adventure zone it's like we'll just keep like we could just keep escalating and escalating like the story and what we're talking about but for we because we're going to talk about the story and in the arcs but like keep going what you're saying with this well and that's what like continuing off that is 
they are like since they are the brother since they're brothers and well they're family they're brothers and their father like that relationship they clearly are so close and they're able to have that it's, i feel like we have something similar with the two of us like you can just read each other so well and just and and you also like they're also very creative people and we are very creative people that if we're like playing D D, even like in our star wars stuff like you knew exactly where the narrative should go like it's not like i was trying to like i, I didn't want to railroad you but i kind of was but you understood like this is like what would be more narratively pleasing like me doing this or just like questioning everything and like you understand like this is where we should try and push this and then i could and if you push it in a different way like in the star wars stuff when um the two characters were sitting in a room just talking and you had the gun on me i was like what the fuck are we doing like almost <laughs> the the roles reverse and i feel like that chemistry is what they have here but since there's four of them instead of two of us like it just is elevated to a new level but yeah, I just, and I love the backstories they go into this, uh, and even what they bring into it, um, and and how it's it's so fluid. But you know, they keep the essence. So apparently, like Magnus, he was supposed to have this like ultra deep, dark backstory, and then Travis realized that that does not fit this game. But Griffin thought it was good enough that he incorporated some of those elements into the character. And like uh, I was listening to some of the they, they have like interludes where they just talk out of character uh, like episodes and they just answer fan questions and look like listen to theories. And um, Clint actually talked about like one of the questions was how he's like a bully to a side character. Um, and they asked, why is that? Like, why are you doing that? And he said, oh, well, you know, uh, a Merle has such a low like self-esteem. He feels like he's replaceable that whenever he, someone comes into the group that he feels could replace him, he lashes out and he tries to like devalue them. And it was like a conscious character choice. And Griffin was like, wow, I didn't even know that as the DM, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just like the things that they bring to this character that just makes it feel so rich. And then at the conclusion, they have an event, they have like um, an episode where they just talk about the entire adventure and they talk about, you know, how Griffin wrote the, wrote the, wrote the series and when they like what moments of their lives that they brought in. So uh, for instance, Magnus's has a uh, a character that is very near and dear to him, and he bases it and he based that character off of two people: his wife, his current, his real life wife, and his mom. And his mom died when he was 21 years old, and he was talking about just like how her death like affected him, and like how important she was to the family dynamic of you know the McElroys, and he wanted to incorporate elements from both his wife and his mom into this character that was so pivotal for Magnus and like really the basis of like who he is and why he is who he is and I'm just and and that I think is just like that comes through in the narrative and just how these characters interact with each other and their motivations and they're just so likable even though they can be like such dicks in in the yeah. narrative yeah and i think yeah it speaks to like yeah just the sheer depth of of the personality behind at least at least the balance arc and that's why people like listen to it and that's why people know it and that's why they have they're going on their fifth uh fifth volume of the story because people want to consume the story and media and 
it, yeah, it just speaks volumes to not only them as storytellers, but also the, the magnitude of the story, but also just how touching it, it truly is. There's like the surface level stuff and you just keep digging deeper and deeper into this well and you just, there's, there's still so much more to uncover. Um, yeah. So I want to talk about the, the actual story but but specifically like the arcs themselves without giving spoilers away especially like the later arcs because those are like you definitely want to go in as fresh as possible knowing pretty much as nothing nothing you don't want to know anything because i i've i listen to this show probably at least once a year maybe like once every like six months or so and once i get to those later arcs i still get goosebumps like when reveals are made because griffin is a wonderful story wonderful storyteller but also his editing is just so sublime especially when when here his use of music use of sound effects just how he commands his voice is really spectacular so like i said we're, we're there's i think like eight eight or nine arcs so we have here there be gerblins the first one murder on the rockport limited or rockport express pedals of the metal the crystal kingdom the 11th hour um the suffering game stolen century and song and story which is the, so the eight and so i feel like we can kind of sum up here there be gerblins at like um murder on the rockport limited and uh pedals of the metal we can kind of sum those up all like kind of in one piece uh at least just how we view them because i feel like those are like them figuring out their footing them figuring out the game them figuring out their characters and where they fit into this narrative but so here there be gerblins is based on i think the lost minds of it's not moria but it, it's like a written uh pre-written adventure that you can buy for D&D it's in the starters kit that it's pretty much the throughway for a lot of people's intro to D&D it's a fun adventure I've played it myself with my buddies um and it is a good like intro to D&D but uh so Griffin kind of takes components of that meshes his own story in there and um then we get to Murder the Rockport Express which is them figuring out a murder mystery so it's murder on the oriental express or yeah you know what i mean orient or orient express right murder on the orient express yeah yeah uh followed by uh pedals of the metal which is essentially fast and furious that's what griffin said when he was consuming all the fast and furious movies and he was <laughs> like that'd be kind of cool so he wrote a it's it's like the, the universe is set in this like steampunky well not really steampunk it's like traditional like fantasy but also has like mechanical elements in it as well which he explains why that's like that in the later arcs um and i also want to say how like how they get to each of these arcs is they join a uh this this uh this organization called the bureau of balance that they they have to there are these rare magical items of extreme power that this organization is trying to uh, find and reclaim and they join this organization and that's like the through line that gets them on these fetch quests so i would say the first three arcs are like fun kind of sets the tone you get the you get to know the characters the players and like griffin's storytelling 
there's, I mean, there's like, there's a few standout moments, uh, like, you know, they're, they're, they're fun adventures, but I feel like the meat starts at the Crystal Kingdom. So, Brian, do you have anything to say about the first three arcs? And that's like the first, I don't know, 25 episodes or so. So I say like if you like you'll have a fun time going through those episodes. But like if you can get to the Crystal Kingdom, that's when I feel like the larger narrative starts to come into yeah. play more. Well, it's like the first three arcs are like comedy. Um like they're more comedic, but like you can't skip those. You gotta you gotta listen to everything if you wanna like fully understand and appreciate when the actual real quote unquote like real story begins. Um so yeah, I mean they're all they're all good in their own, but it's definitely like that's like the tonal shift. It's kind of it's kind of like to put it in like layman's terms, it's kind of like you have the first two Harry Potters where they're like comedy, but they're still building up like fundamentals. And then you like switch radically to like the third movie where it gets a little darker and like real shit starts happening and like it gets more and more serious, you know, but it's still like they still keep a consistent tone. Yeah. So uh, the Crystal Kingdom is it takes place on this uh, like the the organization of balance. They have uh, they have or the Bureau of Balance. They have a moon base on the moon. So that's when they kind of get into this like steampunky type like energy uh and then there's another base that is in encased in this crystal that is one of these uh powerful items that they need to reclaim and the the timeline is like oh if this base that's hovering if it touches the earth it's going to turn the entire uh Faerun like the earth into uh crystal so there's like a fight against the clock to like reclaim this this crystal before like the base crashes but I remember the instance when I was like, okay, something's different is specifically the Vocaloids when that's when it starts giving these, uh, it, I'm not, I never really understood what the Vocaloids were, but they start hinting at something larger. And that's when a character in there at the end gives like a prophecy of, you know, they saw the world and it's like the five, or it's like the five birds or the seven birds of the apocalypse or something like that. And I was like, well, what is that? And that's when things really start to ramp into overdrive. Um, but the Crystal Kingdom, I feel like that's the turning point for me where I was like, oh, this is like a lot more engaging, a lot more exciting. And it feels like we're building to something here. And I think it was with the use of those Vocaloids. Um, but also, you know, death comes into it. Um, and he drops some bombs that don't make sense in in the moment, but they make sense sense later on. Like literally, the character of death comes and is then a character, which um, which is also kind of fun because that character comes back a lot and and actually plays like a very pivotal, like important role in the story and for one of the characters. Which I, but I'll just leave it at that. So what are, what are your thoughts on like the Crystal Kingdom? And I think that's where the Adventure Zone um the graphic novels are at currently right because they yeah, release yeah. one once a year yeah it's pretty much they release one every july i actually haven't read it yet um but i have it and uh yeah yeah crystal kingdom is good i remember um that's where they start really experimenting with their own uh craft of storytelling isn't that the one where they start like actually putting their own music in what do you mean putting their own music in? Oh, like have, Griffin started like composing music and yeah, like actual like ro- like poetry, putting it to music. 
And that's not the first time that happened, right? Uh, I think that was probably the, the, the big noticeable change when Griffin started composing music. And there's like and, a certain degree of autonomy there with Griffin as like the DM, where like you're like, oh, this is like almost going on like a Tolkien kind of epic where it's like, I'm going to write my own songs and put them in here and have and have other people produce it and produce the produce the uh, the music and put it in there it's just like another way to engage the audience that i think not a lot of other uh podcasts do at least in this format like for a dnb besides critical role uh i don't think anybody else does that and you i think that's actually i think why to make a slight uh derivation from our talk that's why i appreciate about your edits because you actually like doing those little things and sound effects really just put the re, uh, put the the listener into that scenario. That's why when I listen, I love listening to the RD and D sessions because it's kind of like it's cool. It really it, it your extra work definitely uh, elevates the material. Not that it needs elevation; it's already really well written and interesting anyway. But it it just further elevates the experience, and that's and that's where you start seeing, you know, with, with the introduction of like music, it, it's just one more element that they're adding to to the pot successfully. Well, on a side note, if you liked our Star Wars stuff, I wait for just get ready for our new adventure with with Andrew's going to be on there, our friend Judith, and I think two of her friends. But just you wait. If you thought that if you were excited about our other story, like the Star Wars one, that is like nothing compared to the one that I've been writing now. And just like the ideas that I have and it's it's going to be pretty wild i'm not gonna lie and i'll be play testing that with my buddies soon um well but, i'm excited for star wars you gotta keep doing star wars though but. yeah we do but aside um we'll wait till after you're 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 certified <laughs> we'll just leave it at yeah. that um but anyway back to our uh adventure zone so i then that we are followed by i think it's like I can't, well, I, I know what my favorite arc is, but it starts here uh, when I just start, like, you could you could swing me either way. We start with the 11th hour. This is when I feel like something, everything is now, like, overdrive. This, is, like, the storytelling is at its, like, absolute best, and it keeps getting better here. So the 11th hour takes place a town that is trapped in a bubble, and it keeps repeating an endless loop of one hour, the 11th hour, from 11 to noon. And our characters have to figure out the time loop. And I did that was like that's a minor spoiler, but but I won't I won't go into why everything keeps looping. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah. but just like this was a very puzzle heavy adventure and just listening to them figure out this this mystery and this adventure and just seeing them like trial and erroring what they were doing and and I also like this is a side bit I loved like the genuine reactions that we get from uh the players when they when reveals are made there's so there's the reveal at the end of the first episode of the 11th hour when they all just start laughing when they like it clicks like what is going on and they just are like genuinely like belly laughing because they're like this is fucking awesome uh there's that moment there's episodes there's moments in um i think after the suffering game when a very specific character comes back 
and when they realize like what character is coming back they all just start like belly laughing and it's funny because like cliff knows it first like he recognizes what's happening and he starts laughing and then i think the others start to get clued in and then you can just hear them like slowly start to in like integrate themselves into like the laughing the laughter fits where they're like this is awesome like it's it's laughing because it's like when you watch a movie and you're like oh my god that's so awesome you just start laughing um i love those moments of this and i think the 11th hour has plenty of moments like that but yeah, I just love like the puzzle solving and just how creative that Griffin forces them to be. And also like the situations they get themselves in because they think, oh, I'm in a time loop and just like seeing them just respond to the story. So Brian, what about the 11th hour about you? Yeah, I yeah, that definitely, that was a moment where it's so weird because I've listened to it so long ago uh, I can't exactly remember like my genuine reactions to uh, the the twist of each individual story, other than just like general emotions. And I remember like I think I I got I mean I think I also have the the benefit of just like knowing maybe I think I would read the summaries beforehand or something. But uh, I remember I remember finding that really cool, and that that's definitely where you know I'm saying last with the crystal kingdom how you know there's more elements being introduced that elevate the material and then this is the moment where you're like oh shit like the stakes are being raised but also it's just like a really dynamic element that are just being introduced and it, it's like a it's like a teaser because it's like watching a sergio leone movie you just know the next movie is going to be better and better and better and you're like this is already awesome how can I keep, how can this keep getting progressively more awesome? And it delivers. And that's why it's so goddamn cool. And uh, that that's, I guess, going back to the actual question of this, this specific arc. Uh, yeah, I found it really, really, really interesting. And uh, I think there was like, I, again, I'm trying to like dance around spoilers because I think there was like other, other reveals at the end where, where you're kind of like, Ooh, like the way we were, the way we acted, maybe we shouldn't have. And right, I'm on the right. Yeah, yeah, no, right you're on the you're there? on the right track. Yeah, yeah. And it it, it, it dance around spoilers. It, it's it's a it's a nice reveal, and it it and like that kind of goes into the question of like, oh, these characters were also dickheads. Uh, they can be dickheads, which makes it even more, I guess, even subconsciously like multi layered. But it just things like that where you even like think about like the consequences of what they did and how they do it. And you're like, oh, God, like it just it just adds. So it was a really good, really good story. Yeah. So following that uh, and, and also it's worth mentioning in between every arc, there is like an interlude or they call it the lunar interlude when they're on this moon base, whether they're tra whether they're training, they're leveling up, they're like interacting with different characters. Um, on the moon base, whether they're interacting with Madam Director, who runs the Bureau of Balance, uh, the side characters um, themselves, you know, there's there's all these interludes that happen in between that adds is more uh, personalization of this of the characters and uh, and makes you uh, just become a little bit more that much more attached to it. So following that, we have um, the Suffering Game, which I think is probably yeah. the most 
unique and and like the stakes are the highest here because there have been some uh critiques of of griffin's dming where he's they say that he's a little too easy on the guys and like the interactions like they people have felt like there was no real danger when he was dming ether c that goes away i'll just say it that um but the suffering game the whole mechanic is they go into what's called wonder or uh wonderland and they have to keep doing these games that inflict damage like it's not a matter of if it's how much damage you will take and you can't heal in this world as they come to find out so you know there's different mechanics of dungeons where they have to fight monsters that they create with dice rolls there's games where they have to create uh, or with, whether they have to trust or distrust people with different um outcomes and and the outcomes will affect the next fight there's a bit where they have to give sacrifices um that actually like hinder their player ability and it's just such a unique style of because then that that it also makes them the care the, the players really get into role playing because there's things of like oh you know we'll have to take away your eye and you know playing you'll be like oh well fuck it that's no big deal take my eye it, yeah i'll lose one to perception or something but whatever i'll do it but you re- but they but what's perfect and why it comes at the right moment because they've been with these characters for like two and a half years at this point that when they say oh we're gonna like one sacrifice could be we're gonna take your memory of this person and they say no i'm not i'm not going to lose the memory of that person like okay moving on like you know what i mean like yeah they they have they're so invested in their characters and whether like depending on where they are in the role playing and how good they are they are invested in the characters and they can think as their characters um but it also adds like so much stakes to it and shit happens you know yeah i i don't want to it's a rough one yeah like they get fucked up like the characters get hurt and some like definitely in a more obvious way than others and i don't want to say who but brian i think you know who i'm talking yeah. about um yeah. and um and and well like, even even just like even the like the it's not even so much like physically but like and emotionally too but also things that we as the listener you're listening to these people you're invested in these characters too and there are things you're you're feeling the same things that the character that the guys are feeling like i don't want to give this memory up and as the listener like no i don't want them to give that memory up because that's i know how special that means and that just shows how developed everybody is and even even i think there was something like an item like give away this item and you're like shit like no that's something they've had since like or whatever you know it depends um well in the comedy and the comedy is still there like i think this is like merle's like he has the best comedy moments of this so um i'm trying to think of one that like i guess i can do a minor spoiler so uh, it comes that like Merle has kids, but he's like kind of a deadbeat dad. And so they're like, okay, you have to give stuff up to on this game as your own sacrifice, like tangible items. And it could be anything, or it could be, it could be tangible items. It could be memories. It could be whatever. And so Merle goes up and it's like, I'm going to give this battle ax that I've had, and I'm going to give the memory of walking out of my kids. And they're like, wait, so you're giving up the memory of being a deadbeat dad. And he's, and it just like keeps escalating and escalating. And 
and I think it's like that they both they all have that chemistry that they they can like rib on him and be like, what are you talking about? Like you're gonna give up the memory of being a shithead? Like that's not good enough. Like that's awful. That should give us negative points. And um, and then Merle just keeps going and going. Well, I'm gonna give this up. I'm gonna give this up. And, and they're like, well, don't give up everything. And uh, it it's just it's just such a like genuinely funny moment where like even in like the this and like the suffering game that they when they figure out a key component of that it changes how they view the whole entire arc um trying to be a little cryptic with that but it it it, it, it's it's ripe for like comedic moments so very like interesting arc that gets you glued and it's like one of the final arcs and then that's when more pieces of the story get put together and that leads into my favorite I, my, of, of all the arcs, my favorite story or arc is the Stolen Century. And this yeah, is, is spoiler heavy. So I, I'm not going to say it because I, I want you to go into the, if, if you're if this episode convinces you to listen, I and maybe we'll do like a spoiler episode like a few weeks from now or something where we can just like just free reign talk about this. Shit, like having this conversation, I want to like re-listen to it again. Well, uh, and that's what I'm hoping everything. that someone listens to this and is like, what is this? I want to listen. And hopefully th- like just listening to our like fervor uh. talk about this. So maybe you and I can have like a, a, a mini episode later on where we just like talk about like our favorite moments of the Adventure Zone and talk about like specific arcs. But the Stolen Century is still D, but it's a um he uses a different version it's called powered by the apocalypse and it's a di- it's a D, but it's a little bit of a different like dice mechanic and i've actually bought uh the powered by the Me- powered by the apocalypse book because i think it'd be interesting to like play a game like that so i've been reading it because of the adventure zone and <clears throat> this like the stolen century is probably the most important arc in the the entire story isn't it the final one oh no no no. it's the second to last one it's the second last essentially stolen century adds so much context to what happened in the story and it adds so much more depth to the story and it's 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 that one piece of the story that you're like heartbreaking it's well and that's what i'm talking so it adds so much context to everything that we've listened to and seen so far but also i think the ending of the stolen century is beautiful editing like it is masterful editing because those are the moments that i have chills go down my spine for every care for everything that happens in the character everything that happens to the characters um with the static i'll just leave it at that every time the static happens i have chills run down my spine yeah and and even like his um his use of the music uh like so i'll just say the last person that has static with i don't know if he if he wrote that piece of music but he's able to mesh it in so fucking well and also the stolen century is my favorite um is my favorite theme episode which i've actually found the music that he uses he didn't write the adventure zone theme and he didn't write the stolen century theme but i found them and i actually listen to them not regularly but they're on my playlist of circulating music um but yeah stolen century brian 
without spoilers, <laughs> which is like yeah, so like, fucking hard. I I think I think we mentioned it when there was a uh, like earlier in this episode when there was like a moment where like there's like one word that was spoken and then you just hear everybody just collectively like catch their breath. It was in the stolen century, and I think that just kind of speaks for itself. It's it's and also because it's like I can't da- I, I'm dancing around spoilers because like to, even to use a metaphor would to, would spoil it so I, I can't um it's just yeah it just it, it, it just it, again yeah like Mike said it, it adds the context what you were missing but it's not even like you were missing context it's just context you didn't even like know that you were missing in the first place if that the, makes sense let's put it this way the characters didn't even know they were missing the context or like the players didn't even know that. Yeah. And yeah. that's not even like a spoiler. Like they didn't know what, so you're organically and it, and it, it meshes so well with the story. It makes perfect sense within the confines of the story too, that the characters themselves didn't know their own, like whatever the context or the information that was being delivered. Uh, I almost just gave a spoiler there. Uh, and uh yeah it's just it it's so cool like even being like on the same kind of experience as like by design like D, you're experiencing the story along with the characters but there's always like a degree of like planning and it's really cool when the player and the listener are on the exact same playing field i feel like that balance isn't strict it's, they don't strike that a lot of D doesn't strike that balance as well at least in this medium of like podcasting and uh and and like the theatrical kind of editing for it and that and that was so cool that it's like you're literally experiencing these reactions like in real time which is so cool that that have no planning whatsoever that are just every i mean dnd is spontaneous and uh off the cuff but just to this degree i can't it's just, it's just like a, an information dump, but in the best way possible that it's just, it's so interesting. Yeah. So our final, our final arc, uh, song and story, uh, definitely like the culmination point. Um, and it's, it's a perfect way to end the story. Um, you know, all of our characters get their own like heroic moments and they all contribute equally to the story um, as well as other characters that come through. You know, it's it's almost like a gigantic send off of all of these characters that we've been getting to know over the last, well, us since we just, you can binge it in like a month or like a week or a day if you want. But, uh, but at that point, I can only imagine listening to it like in real time. And it's like, this is the send off that to the story we've been listening to for like three and a half years, you know? And, you know, I, I think it's very, I think like the bulk of the episodes, like it's very interesting. It's, it's fun. The mechanics that they bring in there and how um, everything that like mechanics that came in that made that were in the stolen century come back here um that like every like the decisions that were made in the stolen century impact this as well uh with different mechanics but i think the ending like epilogue to this is the perfect way to end it and that's where i think is like as a writer it's so difficult to end things especially things you've been working on for a while like how do you end it and and i think you know show writers have this especially show writers when the show's been going on for so long it's like how do you end it and i feel like a lot of shows either hit the mark or they miss 
Um, so something like, I, I, I want to think of like, you know, Dexter. Dexter, like I haven't finished New Blood yet, but let's just look at Dexter for those first eight seasons. They completely missed the mark on ending that show. But I think that's because of issues with the show, internal issues with the show and just where the story was going, which is nonsense. And then the show just ends and it was awful. And then you have something like, I feel like Six Feet Under or like The Good Place that have like such poignant, perfect endings and they match. Good, like good the Place sh- had a perfect ending. Yeah. And the, well, because they match the show's like themes, narratives, and they just ended precisely how, appropriately. You know what I mean? I think that I think Six Feet Under probably went on a little too long, but the but that doesn't mean the like the the finale, the last like 10 minutes of that show are just pure cinema. Brian, I think you've even said on this podcast that Six Feet Under has made you cry, like the ending. Oh yeah, cry. and yeah. and the good place Still as well. Still makes me tear up. Hmm. Still makes me tear up. Yeah, and and so I'm just saying, like, I would say that this ending is more akin to the good place and Six Feet Under, where it's perfect. You have perfect send offs to every character. It's appropriate to each character, especially especially Magnus. I think Magnus gets like the best character send off, but it's all focused around like this very happy, joyous event with some like side bits going on and uh and I, and I just think it ends like so perfectly you know I don't know about you what do you think about like the ending yeah it was like a nice little nice little bow on everything like I I don't remember being disappointed by anything with the ending and I remember I think finishing it and be and texting Andrew and being like well I just finished it like thank you so much for recommending that to me that was incredible uh I just remember feeling incredibly satisfied and just like, I just went on this journey. It was, it was like, it's, yeah, it's like, it's like watching an epic movie. It's, 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 it's funny. Like, it's like, we're talking about it on this, this film podcast primarily dedicated to it. And it's the same equation and the same elation and feeling you get while watching a film, which I think really speaks to the, uh, the craft of the McElroy's and Adventure Zone. And, and that's why I wanted to talk about this because it's something different and unique. You know, like we talk a lot about movies and and uh, and like short films and stuff, but ultimately like what I want to use this platform for is, it's just, it's really a talk about whatever the fuck I want to. And we're, and we're amateur and it's a hobby and we're, we don't have like pressures from like fans. Like the amount of people that listen to this are probably few and far between but whatever I've met some amazing people through podcasting and it and it really makes me want to like doing the podcast has given me goals of reach for creative goals and also like it has just made me want to look out for new movies and and research new movies and just look at film in a different way and that's why I want to talk about the adventure zone because the adventure zone did that for me as well it opened my eyes to D&D opened my eyes to the potential of D&D uh, story like podcasts like it, it really expanded my viewpoint on what podcasts can be what narratives could be uh, and also introduced me to D&D so that's why I wanted to talk about it because I knew it was something that we both it resonated with both of us and I think in some ways it probably it, it influences our work definitely I would say me as well. The D&D campaigns that I'm writing that I wrote for the Star Wars campaign that I wrote for uh, for the, the story that we will be playing with our friends, it's very much heavily inspired 
by Griffin McElroy and, and and like the the McElroy family, but definitely Griffin's storytelling ability, the type of story he wants to tell, like the story that hopefully that I can make into a podcast show, the the scale and and the grandiosity is directly inspired because of Griffin McElroy. Like he opened my eyes to like what D&D could do. And that got me really excited because it's almost like you have a blank canvas to tell the story. And, and it's also, you can, it's just through your own like wordplay. You know, I could, I could describe something so amazing that I could never film. I, and even like some professional Hollywood people can never film with like the vast amounts of CGI that they have. And like, the, and like, just like the endless money that they have to make these movies. Like they will never, they, you can never conjure the images that Griffin and the McElroy family conjures through their D&D adventures. Just so that's why I really wanted to talk about this because it was just, I, I, I think people need, I mean, people do listen to this, like adventures, it's probably like Adventure Zone and Critical Role that are like the two most popular D&D uh, podcast, like consuming things out there, arguably, but um, at least for like the popular, like, like the popular press, like people could, they're more accessible, I would say. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I think they're pretty readily available. I think I've literally seen people with uh, um, um, Adventure Zone tattoos, like at Sixers games. Oh, really? And I've never said anything, but I'm like... Oh, shit, I would. I would have been like, hell yeah, like, like from well, balance? Sure. Or like, what were the tattoos? It, 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 was, it was like the bracer, or, or like the design. Oh, the bat, like the... Uh, the balance, the, whatever. The, the Bureau of Balance bracer, like... But it oh, was like just the design, and I was like, "That looks like that," but I didn't want to say anything. So, ah, shit, I would have, I would have totally said something. That's awesome. It looked like it. I wasn't sure if it was, but it looked like it. So. Oh, I totally would have asked them. That's awesome because, like, if you just say, "Hey, is your tattoo what I think?" Like, what does your tattoo mean? Because I think I know what it means. And if they say yes, then you just have that connection with someone. And then if yeah. it's not, you're like, oh, fuck it. Like, cool tattoo, bro. You know what I mean? Like, I totally would have said, like, if you see that again, like, ask ask them. Because that's cool. I think I think it registered after I, like, walked away. I was like, oh, wait, that, that looks familiar because it looked like that was the bracer design. But whatever. Well, yeah. So I guess that kind of concludes, like, our, our overall thoughts. So we can get into our, well, our closing thoughts and then, like, our recommendations. So still out of 10. I guess I can go first since I brought it here. Yeah, as you could tell, I love I absolutely love the adventure zone. The whole podcast in general, but specifically the balance. If you're listening to this, I hope that this has inspired you to listen to it. Try out D. It might be a little, it might be a little, there might be a learning curve for you if you're never if you've never played D or don't know the rules. But like that's why it's so great that to start with balance, because they were new too, and they do a really good job of explaining it. And they also make mistakes along the way and they, it's fine. You know, it's, it's not like this ultra serious D and D campaign where they have to go shop for three hours and they have to make inventory. No, it's all about the narrative. It's about having fun. So uh, I, I can't recommend this enough. I, I would give it honestly a 10 out of 10. I think it's like a near perfect, story 
everything meshes together. It's there's so many moving parts that make it work, but I absolutely love the balance campaign of the adventure zone. And, and that's what we're reviewing. So I would give the balance campaign a solid, a solid 10 out of 10. It's like pretty much perfect the way it is. Like I wouldn't want it any other way. It's, it's awesome. So anyone listening, please, like if this conversation didn't at least pique your curiosity of what it was, I, I mean, I don't know what more to tell you, <laughs> um, but if you do, if you're listening this far and you do want to check it out, yeah, just like, I don't want to say tough it out because it's still entertaining, but like get to the Crystal Kingdom. And that's when I think everything starts to kind of mesh a little bit better and you'll, you'll probably go along with it a little bit easier. Like it won't be, I don't even say it's a grind. You'll just have a different experience once you hit the Crystal Kingdom, I would guarantee. So yeah, 10 out of 10, I can't recommend this enough. Yeah, and ten out of ten for me too. Uh, echoing the same thing, and I think it's just a it's a such a special kind of experience to have, especially if you're if you're going in blind. I, I almost I definitely wish I could listen to it without remembering it. Uh, for again, it, it's great, and I usually my my other criterion is what I recommend it to my girlfriend. Yeah, I would, I would. Uh, I'd have to. I think I'd have to hold her hand through it just because it's just not something she's used to. Um, but I think it's just something that's really, really poignant and beautiful. And I think everybody should listen to it. So yeah, 10 out of 10, I would recommend it to my girlfriend. And yeah, just, just, what are you doing listening to us? Listen, listen to that right now. You're on your, you're on the podcast app. Yeah. So I guess I conclude this episode of Amateur Tours. Brian, thanks again for finding the time to come on. I know your time's going to be a little bit sporadic, especially come like end of April well, into. Yeah, definitely, definitely around May. I'm going to go in a hole and you'll never see me for three months, but, but I mean, hopefully we can get you, we can get you back. Cause I do want to, there are movies I want to talk to you about. There are things I want to pick your brain about. Cause I love talking movies with you, man. Um, yeah. But yeah. So just let me know your schedule and we'll get you back on. So with that, that concludes this episode of amateur tours. Everyone. Thanks for listening. Please go check out the adventure zone. It's available on pretty much every platform you could, I think imaginable with the with the podcast um but yeah please you know give us a rating like review whatever for on whatever platform you listen to the show on you can follow us on twitter at our pod and you can email us with any questions comments and concerns at the amateur tours podcast at gmail.com everyone thanks again and we'll see you next week